Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. I'm so tired. I'm tired of living life at levels that are less than my best. I'm tired of allowing my history to define my destiny, my past to determine my future, my pain to limit my purpose, and my hurt to hinder my hope, and my decisions to lock doors. I'm so sick. I'm sick of settling. I'm sick of seasons of stagnation. I'm sick of assuming that my life has to be governed by statistics. I'm sick of being imprisoned by others' expectations. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm sick of safe and I'm so ready. I'm ready for a change. I'm ready for a shift. I'm ready to break barriers. I'm ready to tap into my talents. I'm ready to pursue my potential. I'm ready to see what God can do through me. I'm ready to get out of the boat. I'm ready to walk on water. I am called. I am chosen. I am capable. I am competent. I am anointed and I am assigned. I am God's child and I am a water walker. Without a doubt, I told Dan, I said, this series has been my favorite series we have ever done at the beginning of a new year in the 29-year history of Fellowship Church. If you have missed any one of these inspirational messages, the cool thing about this series is that this is a very old story that's been taught a lot. But the fresh insights that our pastor has brought from God's Word to you and I these last six, six, five, six weeks had been incredible. So wow, 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 wow. And I'm honored to be able to speak this morning, and I'm excited to just kind of continue on from where we were last week. Let me pray for you first. Father God, right here in this room, I want to ask first of all that you forgive me of my sins. I can't be used of you if I'm not a clean vessel. And I want, Father, that everything I say and do be from a clean heart, a forgiven heart. So, Father, anything in my life, I pray that is not pleasing to you, you'd please forgive me for it right now. And then, Father, use me. Give me clarity of thought, word, and mind. I'd say what you want me to say. Father, and if it's not, if it's not true, then, Father, don't let me say it. But if it is true, now here, here I'm going to switch. Everybody in this room would get it. They'd hear it. They'd accept it. They'd drink it in, Father, and they would allow your word to embed itself into us. And Father, I pray that you change us with it and you go ahead and take us on to the next level. And I pray that you give people answers in this room and encouragement in this room they so badly need because that's what I've been asking you to let me do. Encourage the people today. Challenge the people today. Father, change the people today. I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Daniel chapter 11, verse 32 on the side screen. Everybody read it, please, out loud with me. But the people who know their God will be strong and take action. 
The series has been called Water Walkers. It's another expression for the exceptional, the standouts, the anomalies in life, that which deviates from the norm. These are the people who may not have reached their full potential yet, but you know it's in you. And maybe all your life you've been hanging out in the boat. You go along to get along. But you have also always in your life known that there is more inside of you. Have you ever seen something on someone that they themselves cannot see? Have you ever seen people have an inability to see their ability that other people can see, but they can't see it? And isn't it frustrating from time to time to try to shake them, to say, there is way more in you. No, no, no. You are nothing like those people that you're running with. You are the exception. You are the water walker. God has created you to be something very, very special. And it is frustrating to the point where sometimes you get a sick feeling when you know that individual that you love so much is settling when they don't have to, where they don't have to, and sometimes with whom they don't have to. Now, I don't know who I am to you today. I don't. Those of you have been around here a long time, we're friends. You know me. I know you. We get it. But for some of you who haven't been around a long time, maybe I'm just the older guy that shows up every once in a while and talks to you. I don't know. But regardless whether you know me well or you don't, let me tell you who I am today. I'm the dude that's going to say something. And I'm going to say something to you, and I'm going to say something about you. Because I see something that maybe you don't see. And here it is. There is greatness on you. There is greatness in you. This room is different right now because you walked into it. And if you were not in this room right now, something would be missing in the atmosphere of this room, and it's called you. Because you are God's highest level of inspired creation. When God created you, there's nothing that God made in this world that is more important and more significant than you. And I'm not saying that to you prophetically, and I'm not saying that to you inspirationally. I am saying that to you theologically. You are God according to his word, highest expression of his creation. And when he created you, he did not create you that you might live a malfunctioning life. He created you to function at your very highest level because it's in you. What's in you? Greatness. Look at the side screen. Greatness is nothing more and nothing less than God's best for you. Greatness is nothing more and nothing less than God's best for you. And God will agitate you with dissatisfaction until you finally step into the fullness of his best life for you. And I got a feeling you're a little bit like me. I'm hungry for it. I mean, I've done the past me. I know where I've been and what I've done, but, but I, there, I want nothing less than God's best for my life. I've never done 60s before. How many of you have done 60s? Were they awesome? Now, I don't know. I've done 50s. They were painful. <laughs> I've done 40s. They were confusing. I did 20s and 30s. They were a blur. <laughs> Hadn't done 60s. 
But you know what I know? I know that I want God's best 60s that I could possibly live. And I want that for me. I want that for Anna. I want that for you. I want that for our church family. I want nothing than God's best for us. One of the cool things I think about being a part of a church family for a long time, and we're going on 29 plus years, is that after a period of time, we get to know each other. And uh, in case you didn't know this about me, I only had one sister. I only had one. And, uh, you know, she's, she's a little homely looking, I know. <laughs> but she was as smart as a person could be. And, and I loved her and she loved me. She was a lot older than me, so I tormented her. She pounded on me. It was good times. And when she was in her 50s, about 55, 56 years of age, she had breast cancer. She went home to be with the Lord. She never had children. She, had, she miscarried two children at nine months. And uh, so she had that kind of life, but wonderful, wonderful. And I loved my sister, but she's in heaven. So I haven't had a sister on this planet for a very long time. But then, wait a minute, I, I look around here and I realize, well, I got a whole bunch of sisters, a whole bunch of you. And some of you are older than me, even though you certainly don't look like it. And some of you, like that, that was pretty good, wasn't it? I'm just going to, I'm going to pause on that one for a second. And some of you are younger than me, and some of you are my own age. And you are sassy mouth, and you're sarcastic, and you're funny, and you pick on me when you have absolutely no reason to pick on me. I walk in the lobby. When I walk in the lobby, there are women that work in our octagon information counter in the lobby. And the second I walk in and get close enough to them, they throw breath mints at me from a distance. Yeah. So I'm very mistreated by my sisters in my church. But you're also awesome. And you're incredible. And you're wonderful. And you're kind. I only have two brothers. One of them's a business owner in Dallas, and his life is very busy. And the other one's my younger brother by 18 months, and he is a bivocational pastor of the Denellan Community Church in Denellan, Florida. He only pastors a church. He works another full-time job and a part-time job on top of that. He is very, very busy, and I rarely get the opportunity to see my brothers. But I realize I've got a, I got a room full of brothers in here. And you mean the world to me. And I love you back. I mean, you've taught me things since I've been in Colorado. You, you taught me the regulations of how to hunt in the great state of Colorado. You taught me how to fish for trout up in the mountains. And you told me where to take my wife, my beautiful wife, to show her around this beautiful state. We've gone out on the golf course, and you've tried to give me a lesson or two, but it didn't do any good. And when my mother died, just last year, you stood by me. Some of you walked up to me, you just put your arm around my shoulder and you didn't say a word. And that was enough because I had a brother standing by me through it. And when I had a heart attack, some of you guys came to the hospital. My wife was there and kids, of course the grandkids. And when I was in ICU and I was in surgery before ICU, some of you walked around the hallways and did nothing but pray. Just let Anna see you and let us know you're there. It meant a lot. Six months I was recovering after that heart attack, I got emails and I got text messages and I got phone calls. and They were encouraging and they were challenging me to get back at it. Go for it. And I love you.
You see, a, a, a church is not just, look at this, a place that you go to. A church is a family that you belong to. And for 29 plus years, we walked through some life together, hadn't we? I mean, we have married family members together and we have buried family members together. We have done ministry in this valley together, sis, long side by side with each other for a long time. And hey, brother, we built a church here that's going on to do the kingdom work of God. And we've done it together. So much so that just last Sunday, 39 more people were baptized after they accepted Christ as their personal Savior. On Friday and Saturday, 50 more married couples went into a room and their lives and marriages were transformed through the renewal and rescue uh, program of the church to the Roseberries here. So our church is more than just a place. It, it's a family. And being a family, I see stuff that God put on you that maybe you hadn't been able to see yourself. So allow me for a moment to share it with you. I see a better version of you coming out of you. What, what you're giving us today is not the best you got. That wife that you are, I know you're awesome and all that stuff, but there's still a better wife inside of you. That man that you are with such a great heart, a minister that you are, that you're a good man, but I, let me tell you what I know, there's still a better man inside of you. And until or unless God takes you home, there is still more that God wants you to bring out of your life. And maybe the reason why you have not yet reached your full potential is because you didn't realize that a water-walking life was an option for you. When Simon Peter was in that boat, and he was there with 11 other guys, the Bible says that when Jesus came by, that Simon Peter, you know, saw him and said, hey, I would like to, I would like to walk on water to you. And Jesus said, come on. Now, I think that's pretty cool. And people want to talk about Simon Peter. What about the 11 people in the boat that didn't get up? I mean, here's me. Now, I don't know if it's just me or you fall in this category. But if I'm in the boat and Simon Peter, who's kind of loud and obnoxious, goes, hey, Lord, can I walk to you? I'd be watching the Lord walking. I'd be taking it all in. I would say, "Woo, he's the son of God. He's on a whole nother level. Not Simon Peter. If you can do it, I want to do it. Well, now me, I would then turn and go, well, Lord, if he gets to do it, then I want to do it too. And the only reason that I didn't ask earlier is because I didn't know that that option was on the table. So maybe you have never been told, maybe you have never understood that your heavenly father created you in such a way that you have options that average normal people do not have. So last week, water walkers do not procrastinate. Last week, water walkers do not let people put them where God did not place them. And last week, water walkers maintain their priorities under pressure. So here we go. Today, water walkers see their private life as important as their public life. And you will never have a great public life if you don't have a great private life. The Bible says in Mark chapter 6 verse 46, after leaving them, 
he went up on the mountainside to pray. Later that night, the disciples were in the boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on the land. Now, in verse 46, he goes to pray, which was preparation for what was lying ahead of him. But in verse 45, he does some dismissing. And you can't do some preparation for your future if you don't do some dismissing of your past. Did y'all get that? A little sidetrack before I get to that. Did you notice that Jesus was left there on the land alone? You know, one of the number one complaints I hear, and I don't know if it's really a complaint, it's just an, they're just expressing an emotion that I hear from pastors and that I hear from business leaders and I hear from business owners and I hear from those that are self-employed, those that employ others. You know, the number one thing that I hear from people that are leaders today is how lonely they are. Because every great leader knows, I cannot be to you in public what I need to be until I be with my heavenly father in private what I have to be. The worst thing that could ever happen for you was for you to take a public stage when you are not ready. The Bible says he was there alone and the Bible says he did some dismissing before he did some preparing. And in order for you to be able to go to the next level, you've got to dismiss some things out of your life. Some people can't go up because they're not willing to dismiss that which is already going on. You see, in order to start doing some things that would improve me, I'm going to have to stop doing some things that are occupying my time that needs to be invested into my next level. And those things are always going to take place in private, alone time. Now, for some of you that may not have fallen into the category of, I spoke just a minute ago, loneliness, and you see a leader and you say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, now, now they got people around them all the time. Let me tell you what the truth is about leaders. When you see a leader who has people around him and a great number of them, that person, that leader is working. And the only people in here that caught what I just said are leaders. Now, notice with me that there has to be things that are done in private before you're ever going to be successful in, in, in public. Ecclesiastes 10.10 10 puts it this way. Using a dull axe requires great strength. So sharpen the blade. That's something that's done not on the stage. And that's the value of wisdom. It helps you succeed. Side screen. What you do before you do it will help you have greater success while you're doing it. Private preparation is of great value. David didn't just get good at a slingshot when, David, when Goliath showed up on the scene. All Goliath did was give David an opportunity to display publicly what he had already possessed and been practicing privately. And water walkers are individuals who play in public no different than they practice in private. If you're a water walker, your private life is incredibly as important as your public life. You see, water walkers only have one gear. When our feet hits the floor, <laughs> it's on, Jack. We don't practice one way and play another. We don't play one way and practice another. It's just the same all 
the time. Here's the next one. Water walkers get education from their observation. Water walkers get education from their observation. I'm going to hurry through this one because I got to get to the last one because it's the best. You cannot learn everything from your own experiences. Listen, I don't want anybody in here to make a mistake, but if you made it, we both don't have to. I don't want any of you to make a mistake, but if you make a mistake, you made it for both of us. So I'm sorry about that, but thank you very much. We don't have time to listen or learn from every little thing that we experience and do ourselves. God has given us this special grace of being able to see into somebody else's life and what they're going through and observe what they did and how they did it. I can have the same wisdom you got out of it without having to experience the pain you experienced when you went through it. Water walkers learn from mistakes that other people make. And then here's the last one. This is my favorite. Water walkers do everything with a resilient attitude. Water walkers do everything with a resilient attitude. Mark chapter 6, verse 48. He saw that they were in, everybody say those two words, serious trouble. Rowing hard, and everybody say this word, struggling (laughs) against something. The wind and the waves, about 3 o'clock in the morning, and that's dark. Jesus came toward them walking on the water, and he intended to go past them. A couple of things I want to pull out. First of all, 12 of them rowing hard together against it. 12 of them rowing hard together against it. Jesus walks against that which was coming against them by himself without any human help. Water walkers are resilient. They have the attitude, whether I have human help or not, I'm walking on. Whether you help me, whether you don't help me, whatever you promise me, it doesn't make any difference. Nothing is going to keep me from accomplishing the life that God wants me to live. There is greatness within me if it's even just within me alone. And I will do this with you or I will do this without you. But no matter what comes against me, I'm walking on. I'm walking on. Heart's been broken, I'm walking on. Lied to, betrayed, I'm walking on. Lost a job, I'm walking on. And if I have to do it by myself, I'll do it by myself. You see, water walkers won't let the winner in you let the quitter in you quit. So after a while, the quitter in you has to just quit quitting. (laughs) Write that down. And just walk on. You were created not to be perfect and never make a mistake. You were created so that when you do make a mistake, you'll bounce back. God doesn't expect perfection from you. God doesn't expect you to be in the center of what he wants you to do and never face a struggle, never face some kind of serious problem. Water walkers are bounce-back people. Everybody in the Bible who was great was a bounce-back person. Joseph lost his coat, and he bounced back. Thrown in a pit, and he bounced back. Lost his job, and he bounced back. Lost his reputation. Locked up, and he bounced back. Jonah was ran from God. He was thrown overboard. He was swallowed by a great fish. He was spit out on the dry ground and he bounced back. Simon Peter denied even knowing who Jesus was, left and went back to his old lifestyle and he bounced back. 
Jesus was lied about, beaten, hung on a cross, stayed in the tomb all Friday night, all Saturday, and on Sunday morning, he bounced back. And the greats in this room have a bounce back ability. You lost your job, all right? Bounce back. You messed up a relationship. I get it. Bounce back. Got a divorce. I hear you. Bounce back. Got two divorces. All right. Bounce back. Go to rescue and renewal. God, no, you need some help. Bounce back. <laughs> Been given a bad medical report. Bounce back. Been lied about. Bounce back. It's not about you not making a mistake. It's about how quickly you're going to bounce back from that mistake. Simon Peter could have said, Lord, I'm the only one out of the 12 that trusted you. I'm the only one that got out of the boat. Look what happened. See, that's what I got. I took my eyes off. You shouldn't have took my eyes off you, Lord. I looked at the wind. I looked at the waves. I know what I blew it. No, he didn't, he didn't do any of that. He didn't waste time talking about where he messed up. All he did was, Lord, help. And the Bible says, here's that word again, immediately Jesus reached down and grabbed his hand and picked him up, walked him to the boat. Immediately. Do you know what one of my favorite prayers throughout the day is? And I pray it more and more and more now as I'm getting older. I can't even tell you how many times a day I say this. Father, I love you. Please help me. Father, I love you. Please help me. Um, here's one final thought. Who told the disciples to get into the boat? Name, talk, talk to me. Jesus. Jesus did it. Wasn't their idea, was it? They kind of had some pushback on the whole thing, didn't they? So, who told, one more time, who told them to get into the boat? Who told them to get into that, that boat? Okay. Who told them to cross that body of water to that other side. Who was it? Jesus. Who told them when to do it? Jesus. Have you ever thought that if you could just have Jesus sit down at your breakfast table with a cup of coffee and say, now here's how your day's going to go. You're going to go to work. You're going to get in that car. You're going to go to that job. You're going to talk to those people. And then you're going to meet back with me at dinner tonight. You would think, wait, if I could have that kind of clarity from God concerning his will for my life, I would have a pretty pain-free life. If Jesus just told me to do it, then I would know it's not me that's the one messing it up. It would be pretty rock solid. But Jesus put them in a boat right in the middle of serious trouble, struggling. And here's what the enemy tells you. If you are struggling after you have been loving on God, as long as you've been loving on God, then you are failing. And maybe somebody else should be sitting where you're sitting, doing what you're doing. All right? And Jesus says, there are some struggles 
you are going to have in your mind, in your emotion, and in your flesh for the rest of your life. And it's not going to be about the absence of the struggle that proves you are in the middle of my will. It is going to be that within the struggle or after the struggle, you recuperate by reaching back up to me and bouncing right back where you were before you ever faced the struggle. The question is not doing away with the struggle. The question is how fast you're going to bounce back. Does the struggle go away? Absolutely not. You know what the difference is? In the midst of some serious problems, while in the midst of the middle of God's will for your life, and when struggles hit you, and the enemy says, ah, you struggled, you failed, shouldn't be doing what you're doing. You just bounce back. And here's why. Water walkers master the art of the bounce back. Would you stand with me, please? I hate to see God's children beat themselves up over something you shouldn't be beating yourself up about. There's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. So if there's condemnation there, guilt there, shame there, you're doing it to yourself. That's never coming from God. It's not how he does you. He loves you. You think he knew Simon Peter was going to Embarrass himself, swallow a little water. You think he knew Simon Peter was going to take his eyes off of him? Sure he did. He let him walk anyway, didn't he? He let him cry out. And the Lord didn't let him choke on water. He grabbed him by the hand, lifted him right back up. And that's what it'll do for you. See, I, I, I'm convinced that a lot of God's children who could do more don't do more because you've messed up in the past and therefore you think you can't. The messed up in the past was just a path for you to bounce a little higher. Do it right this time. And then be humbled and realize that God, I got a little cocky right there on that little walking. But I realize it's you and it's always been you. There's greatness in you. I don't care what anyone else has said. And I don't care what you've said to yourself. Because a water walker will fight anyone who comes against God's will for your life, including yourself. You'll sit yourself down on a sofa and say, <laughs> no more, Jack. No more. You were created for greatness, not to malfunction. And if you had a little hiccup along the way, my dear brother, sister, water walker in God, you better bounce back or you're no different than a whole bunch of average people walking around on this planet. Would you bow your heads? Anybody had their heart breaking in here, broken in here? Would you raise your hand? Has anybody said goodbye to a loved one in here that you miss dearly? Would you raise your hand? Has anybody betrayed you, lied to you, you thought they'd be around and they're not? Would you raise your hand? If you thought somebody was going to do something for you and maybe a boss, an employer, lost a job, didn't get a promotion you should have got, would you raise your hand? Anybody in here made a 
private mistake, would you raise your hand? Anybody made one that publicly and embarrassed yourself, would you raise your hand? <laughs> wow. I see a bunch of bounce back people. You already have, or I'll tell you, you wouldn't be standing right there right now. You already have. You got a track record of bouncing back. A track record. You, my friend, my brother, my sister, are a water walker. You're an anomaly. You deviate from the norm. You're the exception to the rule. You're not like the rest of the people in the boat. You're not like the rest of the people on the job. When you walk into a room, you just don't talk about what the temperature is. You change the temperature in that room. You make a difference. Because this is what I want to promise you. Your loving heavenly Father will agitate you with dissatisfaction for the rest of your life until you step back out of that boat, reach your hand back up to your Lord, and bounce back up again. There you go. I love you. We're good. Come on. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week.